0: Nidarim, Per Gimel, Mishnah Aleph 3 1. Up to now, the first two Prakim have been focused on the fact that even if one doesn't exactly say precisely the proper formula to effect a nether, we assume that he's trying to make himself restricted in some way, and therefore we go Lechumra under normal circumstances and interpret his words to be a binding nether. Um, I summed it up with the two principles that you have to mean what you say, but not necessarily say what you mean. So that's shorthand and a little tongue-in-cheek. So not saying exactly what you mean is the topic we've had up to now. The first principle of you have to mean what you say is my loose translation of piv-velivo-shavin. You have to have your mouth and heart in alignment, meaning what you say with your mouth has to reflect what you feel in your heart in terms of trying to affect the nether. If you never meant to be bound by nether then the nether won't be binding, even if what you said with your mouth would be a fulfillment of the requirements, the technical requirements for a binding nether. So the topic here in our first Mishnah and Mishnayas here is scenarios in which, although what one said is clearly um, conforms with the technical requirements to affect a nether, so what he said is clear enough that that it's nether talk, it's a nether formula, but it's clear from context that he never meant to be bound by that nether. So then we'll say clearly, "Piv His mouth and heart are not in the same place. He didn't mean to bind himself. And therefore his nether will not be binding. Meaning, it won't be binding to the point that there's no need for she'eles chacham, for hataris Nadarm. Simply he can go on. That was just a matter of speech, a rhetorical um, tool he was using when he made that, um, that would-be nether. Now that said, the Mishnah will say that there are four categories of Nadarim which sound like technically that they would work as nedar, but clearly they didn't mean to be binding. Therefore, he won't be bound by them. And although he's not bound by them, the halach is one ought not to do this lachachila. One's not allowed to play games with Nadarim and use nedar as a like as a rhetorical tool um, to to make his point. No, you shouldn't do that. Um, if you do, you're not bound by it, but it's it's wrong from the outset because the Torah's principle clearly is when it's when it says. That a person shouldn't um, be, shouldn't profane his speech. It's telling people to take what you say seriously and not, not say things you don't mean. Now, the mission says inside. There are four categories of Neder, which, like I said, while they might be technically um, sufficient to effect a Neder, given the context in which they were made, the person is not bound. And therefore, the rabbi said that they are from the outset unbinding hetiracham, and no need for the formal hatar sadarim to do, um, go ask a chacham or a bez of three to release him from that vow and annul it after he made it. So, what are these four categories? Nidre zeruzin, the dharm used by people who are trying to induce someone, motivate someone to do something. Um, Kohanim Zerizim Hem, there's reason they're, they're self motivated. Zeruzin is to motivate someone else, to induce them to do something, so it's part of negotiations. Venidre Havai. Um, f, uh, havai means hot, like something like hot air. So these are the Dharam, which are like, you know, that are obviously um, just exaggerations and not meant to take in literally at all. We'll see a bit more about that. Venidre Shugagos. Shugaga is a. An an inadvertent mistake. So the point is he clearly didn't mean to be bound by this nether. And the fourth category is nidre anasim. These are nadarim that are like um, once forced into keeping. They're necessarily true. So the point is you see the the conditions couldn't be um, meant to be taken literally because there's no other choice. We'll see more about that also. So here the rest of this mission will focus on this um, first category of nidre zeruzin. So, Nidjei Zeruzin Ketzad, what are Nadarim called Nidjei Zeruzin to induce someone to do something which is not binding? So, for example, Hayam Mocher You got a guy, he's trying to sell something and he says they're having, they're haggling back and forth. And, you know, he says he wants four dinar for it, which is the same as a Sela. And the purchaser says, no way, I'm not paying more than two for it. That's a shekel in the, in the Mishnah. So, they kind of are, you know, as a haggle, each party, the buyer and seller, both used uh, expression of a neder to sort of make a forceful position to try to bring the other person close to their you know, their their price so the seller says which means, not literally it means he he identifies something like for example, I don't know, his car he says, my car will be forbidden to you like a korban that's the word konam here means if I violate the following vow, if I would sell it to you for anything less than a seller, for the less than four dinar. So I mean the sound the meaning of the word sounds like if he sells it for three dinar in the end, so then his car becomes forbidden to him. But he never meant that. He he wanted to actually sell it for three, just he used this strong language to bring the buyer up closer to his price. And similarly, Vahala, the other guy, the buyer, the would-be buyer, Omer he says, Konam Sha'ini Shekel. He says something else of his is forbidden to him. You know, he says, Well, my car also is forbidden to me if I agree to pay you anything more than a shekel, two dinar. So what the seller wants four, the buyer is saying not more than two. Now, obviously if they don't end up doing a transaction, then there's nothing to talk about. But what happens if they do end up doing a transaction at three dinar? So that means Technically speaking, based on the words they said, the seller has sold it for less than four, the buyer paid more than two, and both of them, what they said, seems the conditions have been met. It seems like they should be bound by the nether. But the point is, they're not bound, because Schnehem wrote in Beshlosha Dinarim. From the outset, when they said that, what they said, they, they were just using it as a, as a tool, a rhetorical tool, to motivate the other person to come close to their price, and they were intending on agreeing in three, so they never meant it in the first place. And therefore, you see, when they, when they came to an agreement at three, so that was what they meant all along. Now, um, the din will be like this, but interestingly, um, the Ramah brings uh, a halacha, which is, listen, the mission is kind of unusual in that, these are my words now, the mission is kind of unusual in that it brings um, both sides of the story. It could have just said, the seller wants four, and he went for three. Why does it say that both sides of the haggle, seller wants four, buyer wants two, and they meet in the middle of three? To tell you um, that when the seller said no I'm not going less than four what he meant was that he definitely isn't going to agree to two and similarly when the the buyer who was at two says he won't go past you know he won't go um, past two what he meant is he won't pay four so therefore if they end up doing agreeing to sell the to, to the deal at four or at two so then um, one of the in the dharm would be actually um, fulfilled and the person let's say they did the deal at four the buyer would actually who said he won't pay any uh, you know a penny more than two. He ended up paying four, his, and he took a ned there if he did. So he he meant in his heart, if I pay four, then I'm gonna. If I pay your price that you're asking right now, then my car's forbidden to me, whatever it is. So he'd be bound by that. That's how that's how uh, the Ramah brings. Okay, according to everybody, um, it's the context of the haggle which makes it that they're not bound. Hypothetically, just to give an example, let's say they say fine, we're not budging, and they walk away. And then a week later, you know the guy's just desperate, the buyer, and he pays four. Or even pays three, pays more than two, whatever it is. So you see that that um, he meant it when he said it because he walked away. But later on, he ended up, you know, doing what he said he wasn't going to do. So then he would be bound by his nether, okay? Because the context is no longer relevant anymore. Okay. Now the Mishnah goes on to say, Rabbi Eliezer ben Yaakov Omar. He gives another example of nidre zeruzin uh, nether made to induce someone. Now there's missing words here. The Mishnah just simply says, um, Even a guy who, who's trying to take a vow to get his friend to eat by him. So the Gemara says, there's a bunch of missing words here. The missing words are, there again, they're trying to, Mr. A and Mr. B are trying to, they're just talking about him, Mr. B coming to Mr. A's house for dinner. And Mr. A says, you know, you got to do it. And he pushes him to get him to do it. He pushes him says, listen. If you don't come to me for dinner, you don't have a nice meal with me—a hot dish and a cold drink, whatever it is. So then, you know, then I'm whatever. My my car is forbidden to you forever, and you're never getting a ride with me to shul ever again, or something. So the point is clearly in context. He didn't mean to really say his car is really forbidden to this guy. What he was trying to do is get the guy to come for dinner. So that being the case, he clearly is—he um, he didn't mean literally a netter; just just a figure of speech to be mizdarez him to motivate him induce him to come to dinner. And that being the case. um... Even if the guy doesn't come for dinner, then the dinner is not binding. Okay, so that's the second example of what Nidre Zeruzan would be, and that's also put down the halakha, period. Now, the next line of our Mishnah is like, uh, off topic, okay? This is not giving you another example of Nidre Zeruzan. It's simply like a, a side point. What if a person wants to, um, from the outset, before he makes it in arm, undermine them? And Omer, he, let's say, what if a guy says, a person says, Any nejdah that I make in the future, hu batel. It's from right now. It's ineffective. It's annulled. I don't mean it. So, the Mishnah without, is missing words again. But the Mishnah, the missing words say that indeed that would be effective. And if he wants to make such a condition ahead of time, he then has effectively undermined his Nadarm. Obilvad says the Mishnah, provided that he remembers that condition he made that it should be batal at the time he makes the neder in the future. If he remembers it, then that stipulation kicks in and the neder is not affected. But he forgot if he forgot about it, so now he means that neder, and he'd be bound by it. Now that's what the words of our Mishnah mean, that's what they say, that's how the Bartanur explains it. The truth is there is a machlokus um, in the Gemara. This is what the how the Gemara sh- the Mishnah should read. Um, or whether it actually should say, that he doesn't remember at the time. Now, the Bartunura who says explains the mission like we have it in front of us, um, goes consistently with the explanation of Ravah, of Rav in Rav the Gemara. Now, Abaye said no, it should say, that it provided he doesn't remember. Because what does that mean? That means, if a person said at the beginning of the year, Om um, and the here don't count. I don't mean them. And then he remembers that. He's about to make a nether, and he remembers that he made such a condition. And then he says the nether anyways. So obviously what he means to do, says Abai, is to override that stipulation. Why is he making the nether? He didn't mean it. If he, if he claims he doesn't mean it, why is he saying it? So, according to Abai, the shot in the mission should be, although well, you have to change a word here, um, is that if he doesn't remember that condition, then it, it works because the point is from the outset when he had a, you know, he was thinking rationally. He said, "No, dharm this year," but if he remembers it and says it anyways, then he's bound by it, and the Shulchan Aruch Pasch is like a bay, meaning, notwithstanding what our Mishnah says, if a person makes a net, it, it makes a condition at the beginning of the year and says, uh, "If I make another later on, it doesn't count. I'm not bound by it." So then. That stipulation would be effective provided that he makes some neder later on and doesn't remember he made such a condition. But if he remembers his condition and he says it anyways, that overrides the condition, and the neder is binding. Now this is very not just because it's brought on the Shulchan Aruch, that it's it's relevant to us. But according to many Roshonim, the rationale behind Kol Nidre is also to if put this into effect, to say that any dar that I make later on in the year should not be binding now. And to the extent that one does say conidre, to include such a stipulation. So that would be um, would be true, meaning would be effective in undermining and, you know, eviscerating, stopping the, the net from being called in the first place, from being binding in the first place, provided that he does not remember and be mindful of that, you know, that, that loophole, that get out clause at the time he makes a netter later on. If he remembers it, then it would be his and he says that anyways, he's overriding that stipulation. Now, at all events, um, it's brought down that one should not rely on um, that declaration of so it's, a, it's a sort of a catch-all, but normally if a person makes it, nether, um, even if he wasn't mindful of that stipulation at the beginning of the year, or on Yom Kippur, as the case may be, for, for, um, for, hatar, for Kol Nidre, that he makes it, still, um, L'charchila, he should still go to do She'elus Chacham and do Hattara Sadarim and not rely on that stipulation at the beginning of the year and only in sort of extenuating extreme circumstances would one rely on that condition he made at the beginning of the year.